You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everybody and welcome to the Health Hub. I am your host, Kathy Biasse, and I would like to thank you for joining us this morning. Today's show is pre-recorded, so unfortunately we won't be able to answer your questions live. We always appreciate your feedback. So you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca or tweet at us at radiomariacan or at Kathy underscore Biasse. We're also on Facebook. You can find us under the Health Hub Radio Maria. And we do our best to get back to you with with any comments, questions, any concerns you might have. Uh, we get back to you as best as we can. And I encourage you to follow us on Facebook. You'll be kept up to date on upcoming shows, uh, any tidbits that we like to throw on there. So it's an informative page. So before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show... I want to introduce you to our producer, Alex Diaz. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. How are you doing? Keeping well. That's good. Today's show is um, it's going to be relevant to you, so I'm going to appreciate your your comments when uh, when we get into when we get full on to this. It's, of course. Yeah, we're going to deal with millennials, and you you fit into that category. You're 30 years old, are you? Yes, that's right. Okay, so millennials are. They span the age of 18 to 35, and we're going we're gonna to try and take um, a different approach to this. We're going to take a, a dive into, you know, uh, into the stressors of this age group, and we're gonna, I'm going to introduce you to a new format uh, today. But before we get into all that, um, I'm going to preface things by saying that you know, when I was growing up and as a teenager going through high school and the transition into post-secondary school, I feel that I had important decisions that I had to make and, and choices that the kids are, are going through now, the same type of choices. And I, I felt that there was peer pressure and all of the other things that are wrapped up in, in being a teenager and a young, young adult. But I managed to, to get through it. I don't know about you, Alex, and, and hopefully you can contribute uh, when we get going to this. But I managed to get through it. And, and I felt that my peer group and, and even people out of my peer group seem to, to manage and, uh, you know, take their boat and go down the river and get through things. But, you know, this generation of millennials, uh, they don't seem to be coping as well. And, and I wonder, you know, it's a, it's an interesting topic because I wonder if, if it's a function of, you know, did society when I was growing up turn a blind eye to to issues that that may have been happening towards mental illness, um, or are teenagers today truly under more stress than they can cope with? I think to a degree that they are, just because the the demands on the youth these days is much more than it was even for myself. Well. Oh, if that's the case. Then you know, if that's your perspective on things, then. Somewhere along the lines, we've let these kids down. We've let your group down. And, and we have to figure out how we can help. Because it's, you know, as, as we'll find out as we get into, into the show, the trend is not getting any better. In fact, it's getting worse. And it's, it's a heady subject to approach, you know, the whole concept of, of mental illness. Right. But today we're going to take a different approach on the health hub. We're going to do a round table format and sitting with me are our kids that are, are full on into the millennial age group. So I hope you enjoy this format that we're going to do. We're getting away from the more formal interview style today and we're going to chat and we're going to chat with these kids and we're going to try and pull out things from them. You know, the stresses that they feel that they're under and try and try and get a feel for where they're at and and hopefully get around to to issues of maybe they can address how how they feel that we can help them 
Um, it's going to be a very relevant show. It's going to be a relevant show for, for not only kids and young adults in the millennial age, but also for the parents. That's right. Yeah. Because I think, I think that there may be a disconnect here and, and the stressors, you know, we focus on this age group as, as a stress, as a stress induced group, but you know, maybe we're dismissing some of the stresses that parents are under and, and maybe, maybe this this issue needs to be broached because somewhere along the lines either just because we're we're delving more into it that there's more information that maybe that the mental illness is 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 in fact just something that we're becoming more aware of or if in fact there is a huge progression towards mental illness somewhere along the lines we have to help so when we get back from our break we're going to meet our panel and and start talking about this very relevant, relevant issue. So as I said, unfortunately, we are pre-recorded, but uh, it gives us the benefit of this. If this new type of format technology is great. So if 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 there's something that needs to be corrected or, or done, then we can get on with that. But um, appreciate your feedback on this if you like the format and and hopefully you will enjoy the show as as it unfolds for you. So we'll be back after the break. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Just a reminder that this show is pre recorded. 
So you can get at us by tweeting at Radio Maria Can, at Kathy underscore Biase, or on Facebook, the Health Hub Radio Maria. Unfortunately, no call-ins today, but any comments you have about the show, we would love to hear. And any questions, we will definitely get back to you with answers. So I'd like to introduce you to the young people sitting with me. You know Alex, so he's at the latter end of our millennial spectrum. But with me are Nicole Northey. Adam Cook, and Maddie Biasse. And for complete disclosure, I just want to let you know that Maddie is my daughter, Nicole is my niece, and Adam is a newfound friend of mine. He's actually a friend of my daughter. So welcome, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you for Thank having you for us. Having us. Yeah. I know that you're a little bit nervous being here. It's kind of new for you. So let the show flow and just, you know, we're just going to talk. It's just going to be about the talking. So to start off, I wanted to read something to you guys, and I want to get your opinion on this. A staggering 63% of Canadian millennials, so again, we're talking about the 18 to 33-year age group, are at high risk for mental health issues. And this is according to an Ipsos uh, report that was released to Global News, and the report was released to the Globe and Mail in May of 2017. So that's a staggering number. And in a trend sort of format, in 2016, 56% of millennials fell into this high-risk classification, while in 2015, 53% fell in this. So the trend is rising, and it's not rising in a favorable format. So to start, maybe you guys can start and let me know what you think about this. Is this statistic relevant to you, and do you see this playing out with your age group and your friend groups? Well, I, I do think that it's, it sounds accurate to me at least, because like, I feel like more and more people are feeling uh, pressure and stress and stuff like that. So the trend line, like it makes sense that it's going up, but have not you, in our favor. Have you noticed, is, is this stress straight from, you know, latter high school going into university? And I know you guys can't talk about university yet, but Nicole, you can talk to the university portion of the kids. Is it a stress that you have felt for a while or is it a stress that is just thrust upon you as you're hitting grade 11, grade 12, making these decisions? Well, for sure. It's like from high school because in grade 11, you need to know what courses you want to take to get into university for prerequisites going into grade 12. So how old are you, like 16 in grade 11? Like that's a very young age to know what you want to be doing after high school. So for sure it is so stressful in grade 11, grade 12, even just getting the marks that you need to get in, like to get into university. But once you get into university, it it's just a different kind of stress. Like it's way harder. It's a whole different lifestyle. You're on your own, more freedom. So like, so when you're, you're in high school, the stresses are different, you're saying? Yeah. So when you move away from the high school atmosphere, are you talking more life life achievement sort of stresses? No, that, that is a big difference. You know, that one year, and I've talked to, to parents about it, that one year of loss, we had grade 13, you guys had to make your decisions by grade 12. That is a pressure-packed year. But, you know... As I said in the introduction, I felt that, you know, I had a lot of the same decisions and it it is a year. I mean, it is a big maturing year, but there seems to be, you know, when I went to university, you did your first term. We didn't have a week off to study for exams because the stress was too much. And I know that that was prompted by some kids actually tipping getting towards their first exam uh, periods or to that exam period. But there seems to be something else at play. And we're not going to find the answers to this. We're not, you know, we're not looking for answers. I'm looking for your opinions. Uh, The big difference between your generation, I'll call it, and ours is social media. And, you know, there's all these things about mental health and, and, uh, you know, and I wonder, is it, is it, because we're so forthcoming in social media, is it just more that we're learning about this and there always was mental health issues and now people are just talking about it more? Or 
Is it because things have definitely changed and there's more stress? We, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about it uh, coming down to the show and everything. We talked about parents, but tell me from your perspective. Um, here, here's a question for you. If you had a choice, would you prefer no social media or to keep it status quo the way you are dealing with social media now? I think if we started off with having no, because social media is obviously a big thing in teenagers life right now. And I think that now that everyone has it, it's extremely hard for like kids our age to just stop going on it because you feel like everyone's on it and you have to be on it as well. You have to keep up with everything that's going on. But I think if we had the choice that social media just wasn't a thing and it wasn't as popular as it is now, that would be a whole lot better because I do think that social media is a key factor in why teenagers are so stressed right now and why um, teenagers could have low self-esteem because everything goes on social media. Teenagers put a lot of uh, stuff on social media that they wouldn't portray in person. So I would love if social media is not was not as big as it is now. I think we'd be a lot more content with our lives and we would be less stressed, less stressed out. So I would love it. It's kind of hard to go off of it now because it's so a key factor in our lives. Yeah. And social media has its benefits, but there's so much kind of acting on social media where you're portraying like a different self than you do in real life. So, yeah. And there's a lot of judgment online. So, People feel even more the need to portray this perfect self. So then people expect them to be that in real life. And then there's this stress that comes along with that. Yeah. People say there are, you have two lives. You have yourself, you have your life on social media and you have your life in person. And those people could be two totally different things. They could act, they could be like not the same person at all. And you see that with a lot of people, you see two different sides to them. Well, you, you three are pretty well adjusted kids. Why don't you shut it off? Really? I because mean, you're, you can't just well, shut social, like that's just shutting half of your life out. Like it's sad to say how involved we are in social media, but it's just, it's too hard to just, yeah, it's just leave. part of your life now. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's literally part of your life. There's like, when you go on social media, like there's this fear of seeing your, like a bunch of your friends hanging out, but you're not there. So there's this fear that you're missing out when you see those people online. But if you completely shut out social media, then you're missing even more because mm-hmm. so much happens on social media. And then it's also a communication thing that gets cut off because so much of our way we like communicate with friends and family happens on social media. I've said this before that I think teenagers, we want to know more than we should. So like going on social media and seeing people hanging out and you not being invited, we want to know that. But once we know that, we get upset. So well, we like we want to know more, but then once we know more, we're upset with. Well, I mean, there we talked about this app that I truly just don't understand, which is the unfollow me app, which is just, it's just inviting you to be upset. Invi- yeah, that's what it is. But so, that's like, like I said, you want to know what's happening. It's honestly, I can, can say it's a stupid ups- app. I'll admit yeah. that, but it can only upset I you. I have it. Yeah, I have it too. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know, but you don't want to know. Yeah. Well, Adam, you've got the male perspective here. Do, I mean, uh, you, you do you have that app? I do not have that app. I think it's really <laughs> dumb. Well, it I, is dumb. Are you on it as much? I mean, I don't have Snapchat. I use social media for for promotional things. I don't often share personal things. I just it's just not a thing for me. But I mean, even in the realm of business, I mean, I'm I'm looking all the time to see you know if I got new followers or so forth. But you know, it, it, it's not all social media. That's the big difference for sure. It's it's we have a lot of things that have changed, um, but social media is is a big one. And I'm wondering if if you feel that your relationships are strong, you know, it, we've gone from sitting around the dinner table and chatting and visiting people at their homes to to texting. I mean, even the phone, we don't even have a landline at home that we use anymore. It's just mm-hmm. that we have it there because my father-in-law calls. He's the only one that would call on that line. Mm-hmm. But we don't even have that anymore, and we text all of the time. So, I mean, how how relevant are your relationships? And is this an issue that may be causing you stress? Are you confident in the relationships that you have with your friends? Well, well, well yeah. I- This is a big one. Let's start with Nicole and we'll go to the right. Go ahead, Nicole. Well, personally, it depends on who the friend is. Because I could, 
I have some friends where I text them all the time and I can hang out with them all the time and like it'll be totally fine. Wouldn't have anything not to say. But then you get those other friends where you're like you're just a texter, but in person, you're not as much like you can't yeah. talk about as much. And it's a little bit awkward if you're hanging out with them. But I just find that, well, personally, I don't have problems talking to people. Like I think I'm pretty outgoing. So it's a little hard from my perspective. But I do know people where they are just the most awkward person in person. But mm-hmm. when you're texting them, they're like a completely different person. Yeah, I know a lot of people yeah. like so that. So they're just actually. way more confident behind their phones than they are in person. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then doesn't it, that, I mean, you have to live with people. So, mm-hmm. you know, isn't that a stressor? You know, you're, you're, you have this whole different persona on social media and then you're actually in front of people and you're not that you person. Can't, you mm-hmm. can't socialize. Yeah. yeah. I feel like going back to the phone thing, I don't know anyone my age that likes talking on the phone a lot. Like pretty much everyone hates talking on the phone because there's so a lot of people feel so much pressure to say the right thing because they can't plan out their text and make sure they're saying it's a lot more real than texting on the phone. So like even now I like I bet that like when the phone first came out, everyone was like, oh, man. Uh, talking on the phone is so much less social than talking in person. But now, like, talking on the phone is so much more social than texting because with texting, you plan it out for, like, sometimes, like, 10 minutes. You plan out a text to make sure it says the exact right thing. Holy, but you can't can't show emotions in a text. You know, where you could say the same thing in your head and you text it and someone reads it completely differently. Yeah, that's one problem. You could... Like you could say something to someone and then they could take it totally the wrong way and then it could deal to so many problems. But you're like, I didn't mean it that way, but you can't tell that over texting. And going off of what Nicole said, I think there are um, two different things. Like you could be a person that could text someone every day and then when you see them, it's totally fine. Like you're comfortable with them. But there are people that text people all the time. They like talk, they're totally social over social media. But then when they talk to them in person, they have no idea what to say. Like they just portray a different image on social media than they do in person. Okay. But you guys are, are smart on point kids and we're going to talk a little bit, you know, after the break, maybe about the, the adults in your life and how, how those relationships may, may foster stress or not. But you guys are going to have to be the forefront. If this is such a huge play in the underlying stresses that are going on, it's going to be people like you that are going to have to go off the grid and, and step back from this because not only we're talking about social media and texting and so forth, you guys are inundated with information all the time, all the time, all the time. And your brains are, must be wired different than ours. I mean, you know, you've got answers at the, the tips of your fingers. You have to be uh, on point with people all the time. And what worries me as a parent looking at, at you kids is I don't see any downtime. Mm-hmm. You know, you're always on and it, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, again, this is a conversation that we're having and I want to share my point of view and I want you to talk to people about your point of view. But if there's no downtime and no time to process and be on your own and, and evaluate things that have gone on in the day, how do you regroup and, and, and get ready for what's, what's ahead? Well, I feel like there's no time for silence anymore. Like no one just sits down and is no one just exists. Everyone always has to be doing something. Even if you're not doing anything, people turn on music or have something going on because they can't handle just sitting and not doing anything. So I guess that I don't really have an answer for that, but like, I feel like it's just wired in us to not have just downtime where you don't do anything. But don't you, are you, do you feel that that's something you're lacking? Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So this is where it, it kind of, and again, this is two different generations and there's no answer. It boggles my mind. Why you don't just shut things off? Well, like I said before, once you're on social media, it's so hard to get off. And even if you're off, if you're off your phone for five minutes, something huge could happen and you could be missing like that. Like it, Huge takes no time. it takes no time for something to happen for you to be off your phone and then something going off. Also, what you just said about like 
once you're on social media, it's so hard to get off. That sounds so much like something that like someone who's had a severe drug problem would have. Exactly. Because at this point, social media kind of is a drug to kids. It's addicting. It's so addictive. But so you're, you're, you're all, you're sitting here and you're saying that it it, it is an issue playing into your stressors. I know we talk about it. Like we talk about how it, but we, we can't do anything. We don't do anything about it. Exactly. That's how teenagers work. Because it, I hate to get scientific here, but like our body has like a thing called dopamine, which gives us happiness every time something we enjoy happens. And like before we would get large doses of dopamine when something exciting happens in our lives. But now social media, every single time we get a single like, it's this small thing. And then it's like just raising our need for it more. So the more likes we get, the more we need. So... So it's like an addiction. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And and honestly, I, I when we, you know, talking and, and preparing for the show, I didn't want to spend the whole first segment on social media, but it's you guys have carried the conversation and it's it's relevant. It's a piece and it's a piece, quite honestly, that our generation doesn't understand. So it's it, you know, we need to be having these talks with our kids And obviously, you know, I've said to my kids, you know, shut it off, like just take a break. I think the older ones are getting it a bit more because I think you're going to get worn out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the high coming out of high school, I I don't think that that's in your play right now. But it's something that needs to be discussed, because as parents, if we understand that this is a, a huge part of your life, we need to be able to read signs and we need to be able to to talk to our kids about how to handle things that are happening constantly all the time and the stressors of knowing so much about everybody. I mean, just just to end off the first half here, I mean, you kids know, I see kids that have 2,000 followers on Facebook, on Instagram. You can't possibly know them, yet you're affected by a loss that they may have, by an incident that they've gone through. And you're, you feel as a collective mass either a sadness or a happiness for these that we, that we just don't understand. And I think there's got to be a new way to approach this type of psychology with you kids. So when we get back, we're going to dump, jump into a whole bunch of things. And, and just from our conversation, I don't think that we're going to get nearly as much done as, as I was hoping to do. But we'll be back after the break. And I want to sort of focus maybe on the shift of of, of where the ne- the the older generation fits in to try and helping you guys out because it, as I said, with these statistics, this is something that needs to be addressed and we need to be able to at least have a common table to sit at and talk about. So we'll be taking a break and we'll be back in a few minutes. And as I said, this is a pre-recorded show, but it's a huge topic. So don't, don't be afraid to contact us um, through the social media means that uh, there's social media again through the social media means that I've, I've given to you. So enjoy the break and we'll be back in a few minutes.
You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are here at a roundtable format with Nicole Northey, Adam Cook, and Maddie Biasi. And we spent a whole segment talking about social media it was a little bit, a little bit uh, more than actually I had planned for, but very, very relevant. We're going to take a step away from social media and deal with everyday stressors of, of trying to live a life of getting into adulthood and talk about with these kids the pressure that they have on fulfilling grade requirements, course requirements, picking up a, a, a post-secondary or going to work, sort of making that decision. I want to ask you guys, you know, we had grade 13, so we had a whole year of, of courses that we could do for interest sake. For instance, I, I did a law course when I was in grade 13. I did an accounting course. And you guys don't get to, I even did a, a typing course. And you guys don't get that year, that extra, you know, five, six courses to try and, and, and figure out maybe different interests that you have. So you get to grade 12 and actually they, they say now, I think it's grade, grade 11 is that your biggest year because you yeah. really have to, to seed your programs at that point, right? So you're coming out of grade, you know, you start high school, which is a big thing. Grade nine is an adjustment. Grade 10, you settle a bit. And then grade 11, you're being told you better be sure what courses you're picking because you need them for grade 12 and you need that for university. So, you know, maybe you can walk me through, Nicole, you've got the perspective of someone who's been through it and you two have the perspective of, of, of going through it right now. But what is the pressure like for making that decision of going to university, not going to university, doing what they call a lap year? I think, Adam, you said that's what you're doing. How much pressure do you feel is involved in that and, and why? Why is there pressure? I think there's a ton of pressure because like even now, like just seeing how many people are taking that victory lap, like we need that grade 13. Yeah. Like, even like for myself, I thought I was going to go into kinesiology, but then I took it and I'm in business now. But even if I still wanted both my options open, you have to take so many courses for business and then so many courses for kin. So having that extra year like would let you get to pick all those courses if you wanted to go either way so like say I wanted to take kin I have to take bio chem all that stuff but for business I have to take maths and stuff like that so I think it is a big pressure because you have to fit so many courses in only two years of high school Mm -hmm. well like yeah like like you said before it doesn't just start in grade 12 you pick your courses for grade 11 and what middle of grade 10 Mm -hmm. I'd say so you kind of have to have sort of an idea of what you want to go into like halfway through grade 10. And how old are you? 15, 16, 16. Yeah. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And like you just because you need to have like some universities, they say, oh, you need grade 11 bio, you need grade 11 chem. And then you're like, well, I totally you can you, you can totally change your mind as you're going into grade 11 or as you're going into grade 12. I know I wanted to also go into kinesiology going into like while I was picking my courses for grade 12 and now I'm going into the arts like you can it's just so hard to pick something and make up your mind at that young age Mm -hmm. and I think that's a huge stress that teenagers have on us now well like when we're kids we always say things like oh I want to be a doctor when I grow up and like we keep saying that all the way up until grade 11 pretty much because we don't really see ourselves as grown up yet Mm -hmm. but we have to make the decision for what we have to do for the rest of our lives when we still feel like we've got a ton of time left because we have to grow up so much earlier now. It used to be like, oh, once you graduate high school, that's when you're grown up and that's when you start your life. But we're pretty much starting it at like middle of grade 10 now. Yeah, It's a heady subject to deal with. Let me, let me, let me sort of guide you in, in an issue that I, I see. And again, I'm the generation before you. You have so, so many options that are, are laid out for you. And I think we talked about the analogy. When I go to a restaurant, I want to open a two-page menu and see maybe 10 things on it, and then I can pick what I want. I don't like going to those restaurants where there are four pages of options. I find it overwhelming. So I can't even imagine. You know, we, uh, I was dealing with Madeline, figuring out Maddie, figuring out, uh, you know, helping her to sort of work through what she wanted to do. I kept saying, 
There's so many things for you to do. Have you checked out all your yeah, options? And you have no idea all the options in high school. No. And, 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 you know, and it's not, I don't think it's the guidance counselor's fault per se. Um, I think guidance counseling, it can be a huge benefit to kids. I think just if guidance counselors knew, I mean, I can't even imagine that they would know all of the courses. I know McMaster has some amazing courses that they're coming out with. Ryerson has, I mean, they're integrating arts and sciences into the same program. You're able to travel all over the world. How do you suss out when you're in grade 11 or grade 12, those options, what do you want to do? And getting back to something we talked about earlier, do you feel that, um, I'll, I'll talk to you, Madeline, you talked about the arts that you're going into. Do you feel that you're successful in that choice? Or, you know, some of your other friends that are, that are going into, uh, you know, very professional, very exclusive programs, how do you feel about your choice going into the arts? Well, I went into the general arts because I honestly have no idea what I want to do. Well, I want to be a teacher, but I don't, I could also change, like I have four years to do, like I, like first year I'm taking so many electives, so many courses that are out of my range. So I feel like I could change my mind, but I, there are a lot of my friends that are going into a specific program. So I feel like I'm a little bit behind them because I'm, taking a bunch of different courses to figure out what I want to do. And so many of my friends are going to business or some science course because they know what they want to do and they have specific courses to lead up to that. But I feel like I'm a little bit behind because I'm just taking general arts because I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do. And I feel like a lot of you also, you always look at yourself like you're behind everyone else. And you always look that your friends are more ahead of you and that they know what they want to do, but that's not the case. You just, I don't know. I just, I took general arts because I don't know what I want to do. And I feel a little jealous of people that do know what they want to do. And they're taking the course that they are interested in taking. But even I, like that. Sorry, if I may interject though, uh, you know, I, I myself took a general arts course and I think it really did help me decide. Yeah. And it's really something that you should do for sure. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't ever feel, and this goes for all the listeners out there as well. Don't, don't ever feel that, uh, you you are behind the eight ball because yeah. in the future and moving forward it's gonna it's gonna help you in the long run. Yeah, and that's you know this is where parents can can be of help, I think. Um there is no wrong decision. And I know when one of my older children was trying to make this this choice, their guidance counselor sat down with the parents and says, statistically speaking, this this millennial age group may not only change jobs three or four times, five or six times in their lifetime, they may actually change whole career paths. Yeah. So this guidance counselor said, in her opinion, a general arts course is the most beneficial program to go. And I'm not just, I'm not doing this just to appease Madeline, but Maddie, but um, I call her Madeline, her friends call her Maddie, but there's no right or wrong way to do this. Adam, you're taking a lap year. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the stress of making that decision was something? Did you feel lesser of a graduate making that decision? Well, as because people in grade 12 are like applying for university and choosing like res and stuff like that, like as early as September in grade 12. So as I saw all my friends like choosing universities and applying for all these different universities, I realized that I wasn't feeling any sort of urge that like, oh crap, I got to do this. I just felt like, oh, I'll do that eventually, which then made me think, well, maybe it's not time for me to do this. So then I talked to my parents and we all agreed that taking a gap year would benefit me as far as a financial standpoint, because I'll be working and earning money to pay for university or college, mm-hmm. but then also giving myself time to actually try new things and try things that I think I might enjoy and see what I could actually sustain doing. Cause a lot of things I feel like, Oh, I enjoy that, but I don't know if I'd enjoy doing that every day as a job. Right. So I got to figure that out. But there is some sort of pressure as far as these people know exactly what they want to do and they're going into high paying jobs. And when I tell people I'm going into a gap year, they're, they just kind of shrug and they're like, oh, okay, because it's not as impressive, I guess. Well, you know, I, the, the pressure, you know, you, you mentioned you brought something up. 
Um, and, and, and I see more and more kids doing this, the gap year and not just for improving marks, but for working to pay for education. And that's another stressor. And the cost of education is going up, 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 making the choice to go away. You know, a lot of kids want to go away to university. Well, we'll get to that decision, making the decision to stay at home and go away. Some people have an easy time of it. Some people don't. So that's a stressor that obviously is, is in your life. Um, but paying for university can be prohibitive and you may not be able to get the experience that you want if you're, if you have to stay home because you can't afford it. And then once you get into university, if you get, um, if you get loans, if you get, if you have, you know, if you've got to go to the bank, you've got that whole pressure of knowing that you're going through university and you've got to pay it back. So you kids are preparing, Nicole, you're in university. Can you speak to the financial pressures and, and maybe you can also enlighten us about the pressures of just moving away from home for the first time? Well, yeah, every student's a broke student. I don't know anyone who has a lot of money, but like it is so expensive. But I got lucky because I go to school in St. Catharines and my rent is a lot cheaper, like 100 to $200 cheaper than anywhere else. But it still is way too expensive. Like mm-hmm. it's crazy expensive. And it is a really big stress because just thinking after school how much debt I'm going to be in and like wanting to move out, like, I'm not going to be able to because I'm going to be in debt. So I don't want to be, I'll be 21, 22-ish when I'm finished school. And I know it is still young, but like I'll have to move back in with my mom because I'm not going to be able to afford moving out Mm -hmm. even though I want to. Well, the cost of housing is so prohibitive. I mean, is that something that's on your minds at this point? Are you too young to be thinking of that right now? Nicole, you're obviously thinking of it because you're third year. Are you guys thinking of the cost of housing at all and, and, you know, perhaps having to live at home until you're 30 years of age, which is not untoward these days? Honestly, it's not something I think about a lot now because that's, you're, you're young. I, yeah, I guess it's a few years. Yeah. yeah. But when someone brings it up, I'm like, oh, crap, mm-hmm. that's going to be a hard time. So like when someone brings it up, I'll think about it for a little longer, but it's not something that's on my mind daily. I just feel like a few years ahead of me and I'm focusing on right now. Mm-hmm. I've had some discussions about it in my household because uh my brother uh goes to school at george brown in downtown toronto so he had to get uh an apartment in toronto and they had a lot of trouble finding an apartment for cheap mm-hmm. and it's not cheap but uh since my bro- my brother also took a gap year so he saved a bunch of money over a full year and a half and then that sustained him from i think around september to like April or something like that. But that whole time he was looking for a job in Toronto so that he could pay for rent once that money ran out. Mm -hmm. And he spent that entire time looking for a job because it's, it's hard to find a job in general, but in downtown Toronto, it's even, it's the worst. Yeah. You're in a a big city. Mm -hmm. And the other thing too, is that university doesn't end after four years commonly now. Mm Mm-hmm. When I was in school, you went for four years and then you went into the workforce. And what I'm seeing uh, lately is that uh, even when we were ta- we were listening to a webinar for um, the university that Madeline has decided to go to, you know, they, they openly said, take five years to do this. And a lot of kids are taking longer to get through university. So that's an added cost. And then finding out that at the end of their university program, they're still not quite qualified to do what they want to do. And then maybe going to college to hone their skills. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I'm seeing. It's played out in our own house. So that financial burden is huge. Then, you know, understanding that you may not be able to move out. So those are stressors that I didn't think about too much. I don't know why. I don't recall thinking about them. But those were stressors that, you know, I think are new to this age group. Affordable housing is is out of reach in in our city. It it, it is, and and in surrounding areas too. Um, We have a short amount of time left, and it's something that I find, I think it's very relevant. I need to broach the subject of what you guys think we can do to help you as your parents, as, as, you know, your, your young adults yourself, but you need to have some place to reach out to, whether it's within a, a solid group of friends, um, within, within your own parents, parents these days, you know, you've heard the term helicopter parents and Adam was talking about a different name for parents. What's the other free range, free range parents. So we have two, 
different strands, ones that are parents that are constantly involved in your lives and parents that are trying to let you make your own decisions. And whether or not one is better than the other or the middle path is the best way to go, the parenting format has changed. When I grew up, I didn't have a phone. I was allowed to stay out till the lights came out and I came home and not much was asked, you know, and I, I did my own schooling and everything. These days, we're all over you. We know a lot that's going on. We have opinions. And sometimes I feel the lines are blurred between parent and friendship as well. You know, our parents weren't our friends. I see a lot of parents, you know, making the lines of authority a little bit hard for you to grasp. Is that something that you guys find is a little bit difficult? Yeah, because I feel like a lot of the time uh, it's tough to be able to trust your parents with everything, but you also need to be able to trust them for a lot Mm -hmm. of things. So as for the parent versus friend line and like where it's drawn, uh, I feel like parents need to know that like they know a lot more about their kids than they used to, but Mm -hmm. there's also so much more to know now since there's their kids' lives are so full. Mm -hmm. So there's so much more to know. Uh, so it's important to be informed about your kids' lives, but knowing every single thing, because like parents keep secrets from their kids mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily a bad thing. So I, it's not necessarily a bad thing for kids to keep some secrets from their parents. It just depends what those secrets are. Yeah. I'm not, you know, even I'm not sure that secret is the right word. I mean, yeah. experiences mm-hmm. and, you know, I don't think it's fair that we should have that we should expect our kids I don't think it's fair. And I also, I, I personally don't think it's necessary. And I, I'm never, I've never been one to brag that my kids tell me everything. I fully know. I don't know what's going on all the time. And I'm not sure that I want to, I, you know, I try and avoid questions. I think it's important that you have a good relationship with your parents and you let them know generally what's going on in your life, but not, you don't need to go into detail with your parents. Like you have your, like you have to know your parent can be your friend, but they're also your parent like there has to be a fine line between that and telling you have like you have to keep your parents updated in what's going on but I don't think they need to know everything that's going on in your life and I think that's good for both the parent and the child to have that it is I I agree with that Madeline but I I want I want to let you kids know from a parent point of view too that there are a lot of pressures on parents yeah to to do what is right for their kid and you know that I think where I know that I've done a disservice to a point is I think kids need to make their mistakes and learn from their mistakes and not learn from their parents. I, you know, you don't want to see your kid get hurt. You don't want to see your kid unsuccessful, but I sometimes feel that in our attempt to avoid the hurt that our children, that we see our children going through, we're not allowing them to experience the life lessons that they need to go through to prepare. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I know that's a perspective that you can't understand, but there is pressure on, on our end because we, we have that opportunity to be involved. We can text you all the time. Our feelings get hurt if we don't hear from you. You know, we're trying to understand that social media play as well. But what I what I think I heard from you, Maddie, is that it's important. And it's not just just parents, like even within the realm of teaching. I think that to have an authority figure life is a very relevant group of people to have. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want your friends involved in certain things and you need an authority figure to rely on mm-hmm. like someone even just to look up to. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you had, if you could, if you could, you know, and dealing with the stresses and dealing in our conversations, if you had to say where the gap lies is, can you give us any direction as to how we can help your age group get through some of these stressors? Well, I don't really know if there's like a direct answer. answer. Yeah. Like it is, it's tough. It's tough. Like I like you need to be in our lives, but you need to be out of our lives. Yeah, you so. need to be involved to a certain extent. But even without, even beyond the realm of parenting, do you feel that there are places that you can turn to when you're in trouble, when when life is getting too much for you? Do you feel that there are 
places and things in play that you can turn to? Or do you think that that's an area that we need to focus on? Well, I think with certain things that happen to your life, you turn, there are certain problems that you have, you turn to your friends or you turn to your parents. And I think it's very important that you have both options. You don't just have your, like your parent as your friends. You don't just have two friends to turn to. You have to have some authority over you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that you have, there are certain problems you go to to your parent. Or there are certain problems you wouldn't say to your parent that you talk to your friends to and vice versa. Yeah, Even I think just it's important like for me, both. like if I don't want to talk to my mom about something, like I'll talk to you about something. Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah. and we have to respect that. I think, I think maybe as we end off the show today, you know, we're never going to get to the bottom of this and we could talk for, you know, we, we haven't even broached on some of the things that we thought we'd get to, but there's an underlying respect that we have to have between our kids and ourselves. And it goes both ways. Kids have to respect the parents and parents have to respect the kids. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much. I think it's been very enlightening. And I, I think you're going to touch a lot of people when it comes to this subject area. And I'd love to have you guys back because, as I said, we've hardly scratched the surface of this. So I appreciate you coming. I hope you all have enjoyed our roundtable format. And I think it's something that we'll do again. So Nicole, Adam and Maddie, thank you so much for coming. And we will talk to you on the Health Hub next week. Hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.